Welcome back, y'all, to the Tahoe Tap Podcast. Thanks for spending some of your valuable time with us, Mike Perrin and Rob Galloway, back here diving into the podcast world without even dipping a toe, man. (laughs) It's been a little while, per usual, here on the Tahoe Tap. No national politics, updates on the wars, or celebrity gossip taking place in this podcast. We're bringing you a summary of the most engaging local news recently reported, plus a peek into the future of what our Tahoe Daily Tribune and Sierra Sun journalism teams are developing for publication. So you got a little bit of a insight into what's happening there. You got sort of a crystal ball with Rob. He's got yeah. he's got everything going. Yes. Bulk of our show is going to be spent getting to know the movers and shakers around Tahoe on a more personal, intimate level. This week, we've got McAvoy Lane, known for his 30-year tenure in Tahoe and around the world as one of the one and only Samuel Clemens. Who's that, you may ask? Well, that's his actual name for his pen name is Mark Twain. So he has since retired. So we're actually going to be talking to him on a personal level about that tenure so uh thanks rob for kicking this back into gear here on the title tap yeah absolutely i you know i missed it mike i missed it <laughs> all right <laughs> so uh rob don't you just love the fit feeling when you nail it booking a room on vacation or work trips absolutely who doesn't you know that that i can bring my dog with me no hidden additional parking fee at the end when you're checking out the fireplace will be roaring when i arrive kind of feeling yeah everybody's charging for parking now but not tahoe mountain inn they got you covered located in the heart of south lake tahoe uh they've got some really cool boutique style rooms and the owner just went full-on chip and joanna Gaines on a remodel uh, last year in 2023. So you got to know Chip and Joanna Gaines is for that joke, of course, but full remodel there and uh, really cool uh, rooms. You could park right next to your room as well. Again, no parking fees at the end buried into the uh, into that, that cost. So uh, that's who is our main sponsor here for the Tahoe Tap Podcast. Now it's time to get into the good stuff. The news with Rob Galloway. There's no one else more well-traveled around the lake, talking with the business owners, the agencies. I mean, our our, corp- our our company, our parent company, probably hates Rob with the amount of log, the miles he logs for, for his, his, uh, his log miles. So um, let, let, I'll let you take it away, sir, since you know, and then we'll have a little banter back and forth with some of the happenings. Yeah, and I, I figure, you know, since we're still getting our sea legs back under us, you know, as far as the podcast goes, and being away for a while, let's start with, you know, something that's a little more familiar, maybe not so familiar this winter, but snow, right? The weather. Uh, last year, we had a record-setting winter, and many of us are asking, where's the beef this year? And I don't, or I guess it's snow. I don't, are you, is that commercial a little before your time, Mike? Do you, do you know what that commercial uh, What comes to mind is, is that the dog with the chili commercial? No, or it's, it's like, the talking it's, dog? It, I think it's a Wendy's commercial. It's like an eighties Wendy's commercial. And they, uh, it was an old, it was an older lady and she opened up her hamburger and there was not a big patty. And that's what she said. Where's the beef? But Hey, where's the (laughs) snow? Utah's got the beef. They're Arby's. Utah's Arby's right now. We have the beef. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, our, our most recent snow survey 
you know, the location that was uh, that was measured the other day was at 58 percent of average. And I, Mike, I don't even know what you would consider average anymore because of our winters. It's like feast or famine. But, you know, if I'm comparing it to this time last year, do you have a guess as far as um, where we were at last year? 58 percent of average this year. Where were we, where were we at last year? Oh, I, you know, I, I geek out on this stuff. It was somewhere in the 200% range. 214%. Right? Yep. Yep. That's good. Um, You know, and as we're recording though, we we're seeing some snow now. So hopefully by the time somebody hears this, it might be a bluebird powder day, but uh, fingers crossed. We, you know, we got some storms lined up and, and they start dropping some snow because it's been, uh, it's been fairly dry this year. Um, yeah. But- three years ago, I think it was February. buried. Right? Oh, yeah. Or was it? Yeah. So three years ago, and it was, it sure did bury us. So still got hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, and switching gears, you know, this, this gondola story, um, I'm sure most people have heard about it by now. It's really the story that, that won't quit. And in our most recent story that we have kicked out, um, or gonna kick out, COO and VP Tom Fortune, he basically took the blame. Uh, he released a statement last Tuesday or Tuesday, January 30th. So this past Tuesday, we're recording on a Thursday. Um, he said he's resp- ultimately responsible for the safety of the guests, you know, and, you know, good on him for taking that responsibility. I'm sure this is this was not an easy thing for anybody across the board. But we actually, Mike, we got calls from all over the world and people asking about this issue, trying to get um, connected with the woman. But ultimately, the question kind of buried down to was, how does somebody get left in the gondola? Um, and regardless, I think it had to be really terrifying for for the woman not only to be trapped, but, you know, she's in a completely foreign country. But you know, as of right now, at least I haven't seen anything. We still don't really have a hundred percent confirmation um, as to exactly what happened and how she got trapped in there. So for now, there's there's a hell of a lot of scuttlebutt that's going around. You know, mostly on on social as far as what they think might have happened or what they say happened or what they heard happened. But you know, we don't have a hundred percent confirmation, so we're not going to say one thing or another. But um, but yeah, the story is wild, right? Yeah, I mean, I, from I used to MC the unbuckle parties that would go from four thirty to six thirty on the weekends, and I'd be one of the last ones out there. And I can easily see how that would happen uh, with the pass off, the miscommunications between top and bottom, especially when they don't have an event going on like this, and it's one person getting sent down, and the night crew's just thinking, okay, time to start my shift up top, like the groomers and whatnot it's easy to see when you've been up there late into past sunset, uh, how it can happen. So yeah, really, really not baffling to me, but uh, what is baffling is the amount of money she's probably going to make out of this. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And the the last topic here that I'm going to cover, uh, we just actually uh, posted this story to, to the website uh, today. Uh, and it looks like there's still just some confusion going around uh, the event center in South Lake Tahoe, the Douglas County board of commissioners, they requested the lake agencies to help them understand, you know, in more detail how the funds were getting used. And really, they're primarily talking to uh, the Lake Tahoe Visitors Authority and the Tahoe Douglas Visitors Authority. Um, you know, and both entities, you know, they they had talked about or mentioned um, working under some of the restrictions by TRPA. Uh, one mentioned was the annual number of events getting capped at 130 that they wanted to come back and revisit. But it seems like there's just a general sense of Douglas County wanting more answers that um, what's been available to them right now. And really, you know, I just I try to say just calm down, Douglas County. Everything's still new. There's a learning curve still being figured out, a seasonality that needs to be factored in that, you know, we hadn't really looked at uh, or had, you know, a winter under our belts for this thing. And I know they don't want to hear that because of, you know, the millions and millions of dollars that are thrown at the center. But 
we're going to see like how this all shakes out. Uh, you know, I think they're, they're a little eager to, to get everything in play, which, you know, they have a right to be, but also take a step back and just factor in everything that's going on. And, you know, they, they're going to have to figure it out anyways. Right, Mike? Yeah. I, you know, I was talking with a business owner that has a business right there in the casino corridor and, you know, he's sort of hitting the panic button too and saying, what, what's happening here? Cause, and when I was chatting it out with him, I sort of said, you know, it, it does feel like they're off to a slow start a little bit. Yeah. I thought they'd be releasing some bigger names. And I mean, the hockey thing was pretty big and that's a lot that takes up a big bulk of those 130 something yeah. days of events, right. With just the home game. So revisiting that is good, but this is so young. I mean, it took 30 years to build and they want answers in under a year of operation. I mean, months, yeah. yeah, let it play out. You know, Douglas kind of, they, they are the, the main stakeholder in all of this. Uh, right. In, in terms yes. of benefits and liability. So yeah, I'd want answers too, but you know, 30 year build up and then answers in a year. Yeah. You know, I think it'll come to fruition. I think they need to compromise a bit. One needs to understand, you know, the newness of it. The other one needs to understand, all right, we gotta, we gotta show, you know, a little more transparency in, in what we're doing. So, you know, I, they'll, they'll figure it out because it. like I said, they have to. Yeah. Yeah, they sure do. It's there. <laughs> We're not, not going to take it down like a tent. No. <laughs> uh, <the camping. laughs> yeah. All right. So that's your news and notes from Rob Galloway. Some of the happenings around the lake. Our other sponsor here before we get into it with McAvoy Lane is Tahoe Family Hearing Clinic. I, I can't hear anything, Mike. Can you? Yeah. Rob. There you go. I can hear you now. Oh, guys, are you constantly asking people to repeat yourselves like Rob there? He sounds like a perfect candidate for the Tahoe Family Hearing Clinic. <laughs> or maybe you're pissing people off at their house and you're asking them to turn up their TV because you can't hear it. Well, it might be time to contact Tahoe Family Hearing Clinic, South, South Lake Tahoe's premier audiology center, which is a family-owned and, oper- and oriented practice that is private. Rob and Janelle Sandy are dedicated to the audiology needs of everyone from newborns to pediatrics and adults to seniors. But wait, there's more. Are you a veteran? Well, if you are, you may qualify for free hearing aids that are completely covered by insurance. So give them a call because gone are the days of heading off the hill for basic care of one of the most important yet often overlooked senses. That sense of hearing. Tahoe Family Hearing Clinic is your spot there in South Lake Tahoe. All right, we'll take a quick break and we're going to get into this interview with Mr. McAvoy Lane, which is now retired, but we're still putting him to work here. Is he retired? Is he retired? We'll find out. We're going to find out. And we're back with the part you've been waiting for here on the Tahoe Tap, our interview going on a deeper dive with the movers and shakers around Lake Tahoe, and this one being McAvoy Lane for 35 years now in over 4,000 performances from Piper's Opera House in Virginia City, where it all uh, sort of began to Leningrad's university in Russia, McAvoy, has been front preeminent in preserving the wit and wisdom of the wild humorous of the Pacific Slope, Mr. Mark Twain. McAvoy is a winner of the Nevada Award for Excellence in School and Library Service. He plays the ghost of Samuel Clemens in the Biography Channel's 
episode of Mark Twain and the Discovery Channel's Cronkite award-winning documentary, Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. And McAvoy describes it as, it's like being a Monday through Friday preacher whose sermon, though not reverently pierced, is fervently American. Your your language, McAvoy, is is so uh, broad. Uh, Talking to you is just uh, amazing. So thanks for spending the time with us here on the Tahoe Tap. Oh, Mike, February 1st, the day we tossed our remaining New Year's resolutions out the window. (laughs) I love it. Rob, I'll let you take it away with the first few questions. Yeah, and McAvoy, I will say congratulations on the retirement, but I don't even think you retired. I mean, you're still writing columns, your pine nuts columns for us at, at the Sierra Sun. So, like, maybe happy kind of retirement, I should say? <laughs> oh, I'm about to file one about my pet, Jay Huckleberry. I think he might bring you a smile, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look forward to it. But, um, you know, I want to start out here and just, you know, ask what ultimately was the reason that you started doing your Mark Twain impersonation, and what, what's kept you going all these years? Well, the short answer is a tap on the shoulder from the man. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I was a teacher before I put on the white suit, and I don't consider myself an actor, but more of an educator in a costume. So I was just um, making my job a little easier with the help of Samuel Langhorn Clemens. <laughs> How how hard is it for you, I mean, to separate you and you personally from the character? Because it seems like I, most times I think people run into you. I mean, you're in character. I mean, it's I, I don't even know how much time you or if you, you can even quantify it, like how much time you're actually spent in character versus, you know, more you. Well, I don't think I have a problem with mixing up the two characters, Rob, but my friends tell me I do. <laughs> <laughs> he gets under your skin, you know, really. I mean, he's such a wonderful, marvelous person. And uh, he's made me a better person along the way. <laughs> That's great to hear. In, in terms of preparation or nervousness, what's the what's the toughest ceremony or event that you performed at? And, and tell us why or how, how that all played out. Well, the toughest was my father's 75th birthday dinner down in Carmel, California. My first time as Mark Twain for anybody, and I'll never be that nervous again. Uh, He thought the job I had at the time should be illegal, doing the morning radio show on the island of Maui. I was off the air at 10 o'clock and on a wave at 10 after. (laughs) That sounds sounds amazing. Yeah, I saw a gleam in his eye that told me that maybe I could get his approval and that maybe what I was doing would be socially redeeming. (laughs) And he went to a few school programs with me, and sure enough, he liked Mark Twain. That's great to hear. You got dad's approval. That's, you know, that's up there in the priority list for sure. Oh, boy. I can see why you'd be nervous. That meant the world to me, really. So over over all these years, I mean, Mark Twain has a, a lot of layers. And, you know, what what was your research process for developing all those layers uh, to become him? I mean, I'm, I'm certain you're you're probably consistently, you know, going back, educating yourself or revamping or, or anything. But 
Walk us through that process of how you go about your research. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, he left us 18,000 pages published. It took me 10 years to read all of them. And then we have this wonderful circle of Twain scholars that are always digging up new dirt and wonderful things about him. And every four years, we have a state of Mark Twain Studies Conference in New York. And for three days, we talk nothing but Twain. If somebody brings up football, we shout them down. <laughs> we smoke cigars, drink cognac, and stay up all night talking Twain. It's wonderful. <laughs> Well, so you just brought it up. Um, you went through all 18,000 pages. Do you have a a favorite Mark Twain book or short story or, or you know, compilation? I do have both. My favorite full-length book is Roughing It, all about the Nevada experience and a little bit of California in there, too. I think if you haven't read that book, you're going to love it. And his favorite little essay and short story I might get to do with my high school sweetheart next Valentine's Day, not this one, but the one after, The Diaries of Adam and Eve. And we're going to present it for a charity in costume, period costume, not Adam's period, but Mark Twain's period. <laughs> <laughs> and it should be some fun, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like a blast. Yeah, thanks for leaving out Adam's. I don't think I want to see you in Adam's costume. <laughs> there you go. Can, McAvoy, can you pinpoint your I mean, Mike talked about um, you know, maybe the most challenging um event that you have, but can you pinpoint your favorite moment being Mark Twain? And if so, what is it? Yes, I can. In fact, it, it towers above the rest. It was my last program here in the village at St. Patrick's. And we donated and we dedicated that program to a pal of mine who's 19 years old now and has a pretty bad case of cerebral palsy, Brian. We dedicated the program to Brian and he was there. And Donna Axton got together her best singers and they sang to him to kick off the program, Brian's Song. And then my good friend, Mike Trude, who runs the cleaners here and kept my white suit clean for 35 years, showed up as Snowshoe Thompson and presented Brian with a pigskin pineapple creation that was uh, amazing. It was a, one of those wonderful evenings where everybody came together in the community and dedicated that program to a wonderful, brave kid, 19 years old. That's great. As we're, you know, highlighting some of the, you know, most cherished parts of your career uh, performing as Mark Twain over 35 years, what was the most unique gift or piece of art or accolade that maybe you received uh, for your performance over the years? Oh, no doubt about it. My favorite magical quilt that was made and given to me by a wonderful lady. Julie Machado. She's a librarian and also a gifted musician. And she waited three years for the pattern. She knew it existed, but she couldn't get her hands on it. And finally, she got it. She made the quilt, presented it to me as a surprise. <laughs> and a tear ran down my face because every fourth or fifth panel on this beautiful quilt is a chapter out of Tom Sawyer. Oh, awesome. 
you know I could I mean? see the when I stopped by your house. You that was the first thing you pulled me over to, and I could just see the joy in your face when you were pointing to it. I looked over at you, and you were just glowing. So, yeah, there's a there's a lot of cool things. So the quilt being the the top one says a lot. Um, that was really cool. Uh, you mentioned the white suits. This is a, a question not on the list. How many white suits do you have? And how did you have uh, to keep, keep clean over the years? I happen to know the answer to that question because I'm standing right by them here, hanging in the closet. And there are five wonderful white suits that I just take try to take care of. <laughs> but Mike has really helped me through the ages. Wow. You wouldn't want yeah. my thing, though, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it. Yeah, white's a tough one. I mean, I've seen you out golfing in that. And the way you golf, man, it, there's, uh, you can get those pretty dirty sometimes. Yeah, well, at least I can say I can golf my age now. <laughs> oh, there you go. 188. <laughs> the last time I played golf was with Woodrow Wilson down in Bermuda. And I remember his turning to me on that beautiful fairway and saying, Sam, good sportsmanship is not picking up lost golf balls while they're still rolling. <laughs> See, there <laughs> it is, folks. He just, yeah. he just can't stop with the one-liners from Mark Twain. You just rolled <laughs> right back into character there. Yep. I love it. Uh, so speaking of maybe getting out of character, my last question here, and I think the most riveting one, or the one I'm wondering about the most. Will you ever shave your mustache? Because I think that'll sort of take you out of character just in look uh, by default. No, I will never <laughs> shave the mustache, and I'll tell you why. Just two days ago, I was on my way to the rec center walking through the middle school here in Klein Village when a teacher hailed me and said, Mr. Twain, I, I know you're retired, but I teach seventh grade. I know you love seventh graders. Any chance you come see my kids? I said, no, seventh graders are just hormones with feet. <laughs> he laughed. He said, is that a yes? I said, of course. <laughs> so I will be seeing our seventh graders here uh, in Flying Middle School any day now. And I do still need the mustache. <laughs> Oh, man. It makes sense. It makes total sense. <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> All right, McAvoy, thank you for your time, man. It, it's always a pleasure speaking with you and then getting little toasts of uh, Samuel Clemens and Mark Twain, indeed. Uh, any any parting, parting uh, quotes or anything you'd like to share with the listeners out there? Yes, you and Rob are two of my favorite people. And I want to thank you for keeping culture and education foremost in our minds and keep it coming. All right. Thanks, we, we, appreciate that. we appreciate you. Um, thanks again for taking the time. I, I Well, it's sure been a joy to talk to you, gentlemen, and uh, every success and onward and upward. All right. That is it, folks. That's the wrap on the Tahoe Tap. McAvoy Lane as Mark Twain, Rob Galloway, and Mike Perrin are signing off. We'll catch you in a couple weeks for an all-new episode. Hit the subscribe button. We are back in action and be coming at you every two weeks, like I said. So be on the lookout. We'll chat with you then. <laughs> Aloha. <laughs> <laughs>